Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors, the literary drinks edition. I'm your host, Erica Vance. My co-host today is C.R. Rice, and our amazing guest is Ann Shepard. Okay, you know what I love best about this episode? It's we've already been drinking. That's my favorite part of this episode. Okay, so we're gonna talk about what we're drinking again. For those of you that don't pay close enough attention, this second episode is right after the first one, which just means we've been drinking a lot. Okay, so today, our sponsor today, see, this is, uh, our sponsor today is Skunk Brothers Spirits which is a veteran family owned um, distillery in Washington state. They are amazing, DWA 10, check them out. You will get really cool things. Heavily recommend the blueberry cinnamon. I'm still stuck on that and I'm out. So anyway, today I've decided to drink um, Flat Rock Cider Company, which is I found up here in North Carolina where I'm living now and it's Ice Spice Baby. It even has a little vanilla ice on it. I don't know if you can see that. These Have you drank that before? Like have on you, the podcast? I've drunk it before. Have you? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I actually think we have some in the fridge because I think you told me to, to grab it one time. I Yeah, because it's amazing. It's cranberry spice cider and it's awesome. And I have had a couple of them so far tonight. Uh, Sierra, <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking green tea and vodka that we're going to come up with a really awesome name for. Next podcast, you better have an awesome name for it. Or otherwise, Ugh. I'll get hate mail. I never get hate mail, by the way, which is a good <laughs> thing. I just say that. Okay, Anne, what are you drinking? Because yours is so I, much I, fancier than what we're drinking. Well, yeah, well, only the name, really. But it's a Negroni Spagliati, which is means a fake Negroni, essentially, in Italian. But it's, so it's a can of sparkling wine from Trader Joe's with a little Campari and a little vermouth and an orange slice. I, I drank it, so it's... Oh, see, you I should really came was. equipped with one. You should, yeah. I was gonna say we need next time we need to work on how many you come equipped with. I should, I should have had two. I should have had two set up. Is that what you're saying? Okay. 
<laughs> well, we were thinking more than that. Like, you got to have them lined up. And like, have lined, exactly. <laughs> We've learned to line up the beverages. Nice. <laughs> no, we don't sound like alcoholics at all. Okay. Literary briefs, rapid fire questions. The first right, question okay. is, what is your favorite book of all time? Princess Bride, book and movie. That's, oh, oh, I love it. If you haven't Princess read the book, Bride. the book is amazing. If you haven't read the book, if you've only seen the movie, the book is amazing. Yeah. Yes. I actually just recently got to reenact a scene from The Princess Bride for my work for a birthday video, but we changed the ending of it. And it's where Buttercup um, is kidnapped by the Dread Pirate Roberts. And she has that whole, like, you killed my love scene. Yeah. But it's with somebody at work I don't like very much. So I pushed him down the hill and then walked away. So it was pretty nice. awesome. <laughs> But he actually rolled down the hill. I will give him credit on this. Is he actually, it was Greg Chelsea and he rolled down. Oh, the I hill. know. <laughs> the video is amazing and offensive and my wig is terrible. It's very cool. Okay. What is your least favorite book of all time that you've read? Oh my gosh. That is a tough one. Least. I always feel so bad because when I got asked this question, I just unleashed. <laughs> you did. You were like, I have a list. It was like oh. a scroll <laughs> that came out. I'm trying to think if there's a yeah a book that maybe, I'm sure there is one out there and it's just not coming to me right away. Well, do you finish books regardless of? Um, no, no. If they piss me off early, I, I opt out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, see, I'm that's sorry. a good thing because I, I, I do the same thing. I'm like, I do not have enough time or energy for this garbage. So, yeah. but that leads well, me to, do you leave reviews? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, and again, after having been a reader and working in development for the film companies, I had to be the one who read the whole thing. So I think now, you know, if it's if it's not grabbing you by the first 10 pages, opt out. Just, it's not going to, it's not going. So, but I had to finish some real dreck and write about it. So, yeah. Wow. What were you going to say? Were you going to say something, Sierra? Cause you. Can't. Mine is grammar. I actually, so I have Kindle Unlimited because I like to read a lot, like in between writing and stuff. One of the things that made me mad is one of the top books and I won't give a name or the author, but one of the top 50 books on Amazon right now has the wrong dares through the whole book. Oh, oh. The wrong ones, oh. the whole book, even See, the wrong words. Yeah. yeah. Like I I was so angry. Like I just, I, I, now I didn't leave a review or anything, but I definitely highlighted it because I don't know if you know, if people highlight stuff in your book, you get a little notification. Yeah, I highlighted it every single time. It was super petty, but like. That, that's, yeah, how? I don't oh, think yeah. that's petty. That's my entire no. point. Like, I can't. If it's like that, if it throws me out of the story at all, and don't get right. me wrong, you're going to have um, errors in books. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many editors. I don't care how many proofreaders. Right. I don't care how many times you read your own damn manuscript. There are going to be errors in it, right? We all expect right. them. It's fine. My problem is when it's over the top with errors repetitively okay. and you are like are you kidding me at this point in time yeah. and you've uh -huh. completely thrown me out of the story because it's so riddled with errors i just right. i will done i don't it literally just became a game for that reason because <laughs> yeah, i found yeah. too many books that i would start on kindle unlimited were garbage and i was like yes. i can't read this right well yeah. so what i do is i go and i i'll look up a, a random genre right 
And then I go to the least amount of reviews because I know how important reviews are. So then I read those ones and that's when you find the really genuinely good books because they're typically either self-published or they're from smaller publishers or things like that. So like I read them and then I give them like an honest review or whatever and just help them become more open. But the fact that that book was a top 50 book and it just became a game. I honestly couldn't tell you what the damn thing was about, but I, I read through it and I just, I had to, because I'm like, how, how did so many people get through this yeah. and leave so many things and not catch it? Like do people just not know grammar? Right. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. I'm willing to bet it didn't go through a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of eyes to make something good and my, you know, and again, having come from the magazine world and it's kind of like bad dialogue in movies. The minute someone has a bad, I just, Titanic is my, I hated Titanic because the dialogue was so awful. You know, hello. Have you I, seen the, have you seen the Riverdale memes where it's like, if you ever feel bad as an author and don't know how to do dialogue, just watch an episode of Riverdale. Like <laughs> I haven't actually seen it, but like the memes, I'm oh, sure. they're yeah. so funny. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Well, okay, so that that leads me to a question. Do you write reviews, Pam? I already know what Chelsea does. She's a maniac. Do you write reviews? I am not as good as I should be, no. <laughs> will I, you review a book? Does it always have to be a positive review if you're leaving a review, or will you probably, be honest? Yeah, no, I wouldn't leave them. Yeah, I always feel like, and we used to do this at the magazine, is, is if we were like, if I was covering a hotel or a destination and something was not up to par, I just don't cover it. It was the way I kind of, to me, that's a bad review is if you don't cover it. So to me, absence of something is my saying it wasn't very good. So I would only review it if I really enjoyed it and wanted to let other people know that they should check it out. Same no, with, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what, so you have a unique perspective on this. We already know you're one of your least favorite um, movies, but what is your um, favorite book to movie or TV show besides um, uh, uh, Princess Bride? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because Princess Bride, I think, is one of the best book to movies. Um, the Unbearable Lightness of Being is a great, the book is great and the movie is great and they're very different. But they, to me, they they did a they did a great service to both. If that makes you know, if that makes sense. Um, totally. What yeah. about where they didn't do a great service to both? What is on your top of the this was terrible rendition? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I know the Vi Warshawski uh, detective book was not very well done. Um, I'm not thinking of one right away. I'm so bad about that. That's okay. That's okay. I should have made notes. I should have made notes on this stuff. <laughs> People say that, but we've been drinking, even if you've only had one. So right. you would be go, go going through. Window. Yeah, you'd just be going through your notes and be like, "Crap, where is that?" What, what did I say about yeah? What book did I love? And I was really upset with the. That's yeah. That's a hard. I I don't know. Not I'm not having one come to mind. Chels. What is an irrational superstition that you live by? An irrational superstition. Um, like, like I know a girl that she has to flip the switch three times every time she goes into a room. Okay, yeah. 
I play, I play a lot of tennis. I actually love to play tennis. I don't, sometimes tennis courts have these little cracks through the court and I don't like to step on the crack when I'm serving. Is that a good one? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's a great one. That's a very picky one, but. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. What, what is your writing sort of Achilles heel? What is something that you have to be conscious of as you are writing? Something I have to be, um, I think just sometimes learning to let go that I think, especially having worked as an editor too, for 20 years, that letting, just letting go and letting words flow out, even if they're not perfect right away, that it's okay to let it, just let it flow out of you. So that's, that's probably something I, I work on. It's kind of the left, right brain. It's like, you know, the, the right brain's like, let it go. And the left brain's like, but it's not perfect yet. It's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. Just let it go. Let it flow. So. Do you, um, how do you edit your own work? Like what trick do you do to do that? Um, I think it's just passes. It's just taking another pass, taking a pass as an editor, taking a pass as a writer, taking a pass as an editor. I think I, I go in with different things in mind that when I, you, know. you change the font or anything like that or print it out? I know a lot of people use tricks like changing the font or printing yeah. it out on paper to look at it versus on the computer screen. But I mean, you were an editor for 20 years, so that's a little bit different because. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Sometimes reading it out loud, I will do the reading out loud thing sometimes because that'll that'll show things. Um, I think working as an editor for 20 years, I have a, I, I do have a good eye. And there's usually a certain point in the book where you're just really only looking at it as an editor. You, you, there's a point where you're like, okay, I've gotten everything out I need to get in there. And so now I am just looking for, as an editor. So I am just going through that, that way. But I also, you always have to, one of the things I learned about being in a magazine, you have to have someone who has a fresh pair of eyes, who has never looked at it, read it for you. Because there is a psychological thing that happens where your eyes will start to fill in the words that should be there, if they're missing or if that something is wrong and you're not gonna see it. So you really, some with, with editing, you really have to have a fresh pair of eyes come in and proof it for you. Agreed. I will say, I love that you said, um, read it out loud. Yeah. I will tell you authors who are listening to this podcast, this is one of the most <laughs> valuable tools in your tool belt. Read it out loud and not mumble, like read right. it out loud. And if you stumble and you pause, guess what somebody's going to do when they're reading it? Yes. They're going to stumble and they're going to pause and you probably are missing a damn comma. Let me just <laughs> clarify. There's probably a punctuation error in what you're doing that is terrible. Okay. Chels, you got to ask the book question, the character question. It's like a, my favorite oh, question. Okay. Okay, so if you could be any character in a book, but you have to live out their life, who would you be? Oh, that's a tough one. Well, uh, again, I always loved Kinsey Milhone uh, in the Sue Grafton, although she had kind of a painful childhood, I'm not sure, but she lived in that cute little house in Santa Barbara, and she was a PI during the day and solved crimes, and it just always it felt really fun. Yeah. Okay. And if you could be any friend, if you could be friends with any character from a book, who would it be? Hmm. I don't want to say, oh, Nancy Drew, maybe? No. <laughs> Although she I would have loved to be friends with Nancy Drew as a kid. No lie. That would have been awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, she was, she, I loved Nancy Drew as a kid. Going back, if you read some of the, especially the original books and not the updated ones, she's kind of annoying. So she's more annoying now as an adult than she was as a kid because she's just good at everything. And you're like, really, Nancy, everything? But so. are you really good at everything? <laughs> hey, when we were teenagers, we were good at everything. We were like, perfect. We knew That's everything. True. That's true. We were brilliant. That's you got to look at the right perspective here. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I like it. Nancy freaking Drew, man. Nancy I used Drew. to hate those books. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever read that? The Hardy Boys. I, I loved a lot of those. I loved the Hardy Boys. Hardy Boys were great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So are there yeah. any series that you are reading that you just, no matter what, will buy the next book that it when it comes out regardless? Um, There's a few mystery series that I enjoy. One of, again, some of them are coming to place. We have a, we do a family reunion every year at Lake Tahoe. Um, and there's a guy named Todd Borg who has a mystery series set at Lake Tahoe. So whatever his latest one is, and it's a PI who has a great a Harlequin, great Dane is his kind of sidekick. And so whenever I'm in Lake Tahoe, it's fun to read his latest book set there because it takes you around the lake. It takes place at different places and you feel of, goodness, of that place. So that, that's a fun one I enjoy doing. I love that you said that because I think that is a fun thing for people to think about doing is when you're traveling is going into local bookstores and finding yes. books by local authors about that location. Yeah, definitely. You know, I actually started doing that for a friend of mine who loves scary stuff, loves ghost stories, all this kind of thing. She's just an avid fan. And um, one of the friends of the podcast and a very good friend of mine, Mark Muncie, writes Eerie Florida and Creepy Florida. He's about to write a book called Erie Appalachia, I think is it called, but because he went and studied the um, like folk tales of the area and kind of chased down the, the stories for where did they come from, where did they originate from, you know, that sort of thing. It, they're fabulous, but I started then looking when I was at locations for books, like I just bought her one from North Carolina and something like that because I found ones because she was so into that sort of thing, but I love the idea of going and finding a book from the location you're in, especially if you just visited it and it's fresh in your mind. Exactly. And the smart ones, the smart independent bookstores will have a display of just their local writers and stuff. Sometimes I've had to ask, um, but they'll almost always be able to point you to something, but there should, they really should have just a kiosk with local writers and um, I tend to specifically like mysteries from those places because they tend to be about place. But I've picked up a lot of other books from different places and just it's just so fun to get to relive what you just learned about. Yeah, right after you've been there. Very cool. Have you got to meet a lot of authors through your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you met like your person that you're a super fan of? Um, yeah, I guess again, I got to meet Sue Grafton. Um, and this was, you know, a while ago, she passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, but it, so it was a good 10, 20 years ago, but she just was so nice and so fun and um, really enjoyed her. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. For the record, I think most authors are, unlike yeah. some other forms of celebrity, and not all of them, I think actors are becoming much more approachable as human beings yeah. than they were many years ago. Like, I don't think you get the option of being a dick as much as an author that you did even in the 90s and stuff like that. I just think industry-wise stuff like that, people just don't tolerate it. And the fans don't tolerate it. If you're mean to a fan, there is way too much social media 
right, that right. Will highlight how crappy you are. But authors are some of the absolute nicest people to right. meet, and they love talking about their work, and they're excited exactly. somebody's interested in yeah. their work. Yeah, as authors, we can say that. I'm the opposite. I panic. I forget everything. Like as soon as somebody comes up to me and like would say something, like when we were at Fanta, I completely blanked. I was like, "What's it called? Like, <laughs> what what is it about again?" And so I think it's, Chelsea it's needs something. to do more in person events. We're working on it. It's exactly. the thing we're working on. I panic. Do you panic? Like when somebody like comes up and you know they always tell you like the elevator pitch thing where you have to go and somebody comes up and they ask you like, "Hey, what is your book about? Do you know what to say or do you flounder or?" I, I think I'm pretty good because I mean I was you know up until what a year ago I was pitching him so I was pretty good at you know <laughs> at the elevator pitch but um but yeah sometimes it's hard it's, I, I the war cancel is sometimes because it doesn't fall as neatly in a genre as I mean des, I mean destination Maui is easy it's a travel mystery easy right so whereas the war cancel is a little more of a special child because it's 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 a romantic comedy but it's satiric and it's it's mission impossible dating exactly but so it's 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 yeah it's high concept it's a little more high concept than most romantic comedies it's not you know it's, it's just not your typical romantic comedy so but i you know i've been i i've been very happy to see people just embrace it and one of the funny things about war council is that on its face you would think the target market would be women in their 20s and 30s the people who have loved it the most the, the people who come up to me and say oh my god i love your book are like middle-aged men i mean i've been like they're like you know i'm a dude but and this is a chick book but i really like this and it's like well thank you, <laughs> you know? but it's like i think it offers an insight well thank you the psyche <laughs> but it's like it's so funny that that it's the men who are like i really enjoyed this book and it's something they would never probably have picked up if they usually it's someone who knows a friend of a friend of a friend and that's why they read it but they're the ones who've been the most effusive in their praise so it's been really interesting because it's like okay you're not you know what? different than movies but probably similar you never know what somebody's thing is books right. can be one of the most private things you can do especially with e-readers now and the ability to download where you don't have to go into a store and show up at a countertop exactly. and hand over books, you know, is I think people are crossing what we perceive as genre barriers really easily these days. And whether they talk about it or not, I think it's different, but I think people are open to reading things that they wouldn't necessarily read. Right. And because it's a satirical take and it's not, um, uh completely formulaic and there's nothing wrong with formulaic things as i say this to continue to try not to get hate mail but like <laughs> sweet sweet hometown romance is pretty formulaic there's right. generally a bakery involved you know what right. i mean like whatever right. there's like hallmark it's the hallmark hallmark christmas movie yeah yeah exactly hallmark movies hallmark movies are some of the most sought after movies and the, they made what like right. 300 hallmark movies yeah. last year and i I, I watch some of them they're fun you know yeah. exactly what's gonna happen it's like, you know, it's, it's but you're so still funny. like oh no they are oh, kind no. of misunderstanding let them kiss, let them kiss. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have to say i have this friend and i tease her all the time she's a she is a hallmark addict and so i'll be like did you see that one with the the raccoon vet 
who was falling in love with, and I'll just make up like the most obscure thing. And she's like, wait, what is that one called? And I'm like, that's not a real movie. I just made that and she's like, oh, and she gets sad because she's like, she was invested. Awesome. She was like, that yeah. sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so ridiculous. But there is an allure on these things. There's a fantasy yeah. part of these things. And it also gives insight because it's written from a woman about women, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it vice versa with anybody of any uh, gender or non-specific gender, you want some education on what people are like. Read books by those people. Yeah. You know, it, that's how that works. Okay, Chels, over to you, my friend. If you could uninvent one thing, what would it be? Uninvent one thing. Huh. I don't know. Uh, uh, first thing that comes to mind is I, I hate Tesla drivers. So can we uninvent the Tesla? <laughs> I like it. I, I those dudes that, that genie's out of the box. I know. Because right, it's mostly the drivers. There's something about it. used to be Prius drivers. I hate it. Now it's Tesla drivers. So it's like it's morphed over to a different well, driver. <laughs> you're in California as well, which is a very different situation. I don't think a lot of people realize. What is it? 2023? They're going to stop making gas cars. Is that... Well, isn't that what the deal is? Yeah, I think it might be 2024 or five, but yeah, yeah. You know, they have rolling blackouts all year long, but they're going to go electric cars. Exactly. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely. What about you, Chels? What would you want to invent? This is a weird question. I've never heard you ask this one that's, before. Yeah, no, that's it, it's, it's, it started an argument earlier. Um, I would un uninvent the internet. I'd wow. give it to the internet. I think it fucked our world up. Well, but here, here's, here's, because I used to teach communication studies when I was in grad school. And in those days, we worried about the fact that all of the means of communication were owned by like six media companies. So if you had a message, <laughs> no, now it's hundreds, but they're not vetted, right? That's the yeah. thing. It's hundreds of thousands of people going, I have a message. Let me put it out on my channel. And unfortunately, people listed that channel and they're not. So this it's we've gone from this very small cabal of people controlling everything to like this mass without any controls, without any. And it's very similar to the, um, you know, the, the yellow journalism period in the 1920s or when, when the printing press was first invented. So it's we're in this icky period where it hasn't come through it yet i would argue you know what i mean so the, when the printing press is like woo, you know let's kill king george i mean everybody could do that and that's kind of what they're doing now with the internet so i think that's the problem is that you know, i think it's just it's killed so much human interaction and i yeah. feel like it is you know and it's it's destroyed great things like granted i don't want you know all the trees cut down for books but like going to the library used to be one of my favorite things i still do it all the time and like a lot of kids don't even know what the hell a library is like they think they just use their phones, they use their tablets, they use those things. So they don't get those awesome experiences. I think it really started the downfall of human interaction. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that. One of my biggest things, and I, this came up during this, this COVID time period. So in my day job, I do human resources. And one of the things that I found really difficult is the news would only give you a local version of what was happening. 
meaning, you know, at the time, you know, the companies in Florida, we'd get the Florida version of what was happening, but I had friends in California and friends in, um, you know, Pennsylvania and all over the country that would be explaining what their states were doing to handle COVID. It wasn't being communicated. And this was true globally. Like we have these global offices and I set up a thing weekly to go over, hey, what is the COVID update from your office? Because what was being said or what they were hearing on the national or international news, I'm using quotation marks, was not even close right. to what was actually occurring in the state. And I just thought it's kind of a sad thing that um, that is the case. Like that, that mm -hmm. is that we can't use and have available information that's so close to us and is readily available, but it's somehow filtered. So you say these media giants filtered it. There's other ways I feel like news is mm -hmm. filtered, but we're not going all the way down this rabbit hole because it's dark and scary there. So I'm going to say that. <laughs> well, is, that's going to be for the next podcast. Remember, you said you said you're going to do the is that a thing one. We're going to do yes. the depths of the internet conspiracy. Yeah, because I, I mean, we're in the messy, like from in using my communications, we're in the messy, we're st we, we haven't come out of what ultimately it's going to be. I mean, with, with like yellow journalism, it got out of control and finally they put controls in place so that you couldn't start a war, you know, in, in Mexico and then to just through the newspaper like they did, right? So now I, we're in this messy period where you, you need to have, and there's a certain point where people are going to want more curated content, you know, hopefully, hopefully. It's just, it's, the internet is so dangerous because, you know, everybody, you know, the whole, you, you don't want to principally start a war in Mexico. Now you send a tweet out and you can spiral massive hate or anger or anything across the entire world. So is it really less dangerous the way that we have okay been. i just said we're not going down the rabbit hole continuing down the rabbit hole i think so i think I, every every technology they've said this so i think that's that's what you yeah. have to figure out you know what i mean it's like it, again printing press or whether it was tv oh my god tv is gonna kill us you know it's like it's like you know. i saw the ring it does kill you <laughs> that shit came straight out of the tv you know what's so interesting? You bring that up, which is interesting for writing culture, is this. Have you watched the original Japanese version of The Ring? Yes. It makes zero sense. Like it, the yeah, American there's... version made very little sense, but I then watched the Japanese version and it makes even less sense. Well, I watched thing. it because I watched it because people said it made more sense. Because I did the same thing. I watched the ring and I was like, what? I don't even understand what the fuck just happened. Like, what is going on? And then I watched the, the Japanese one and I was like, now I'm even more confused what I thought <laughs> I knew. I definitely don't now. Yeah, I, that's how I felt about it. And it's interesting because I feel like sometimes writing in different areas and storytelling in different areas, you're raised on what the story is telling and how the story is telling the thing. And not that I'm an expert at all. This is like the Diet Coke version of knowing this. But I think it's interesting because storytelling and then you tell a story differently here. And, you know, they think we over-explain things. And I'm like, okay, but I didn't understand the horses. Just like, can we go back to that point in the ring by itself? Why there were any horses, horses involved at all? It didn't make any sense. Okay. Um, and if you could meet any author in the world, 
this is going to be your final question. And then we're going to talk about where to find your books. If you could meet anybody, any author, who would you want to meet and have lunch with? Oh, that is a really tough one these days. Alive or dead? They would be alive when you had lunch with them, not a zombie, because that would be awkward. So would you, you would get to go lunch. back in time? Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I mean, it'd be fun to have lunch with Agatha Christie, wouldn't it? You know? Maybe. I think that would be fun to have lunch with Agatha Christie. Yeah, yeah. I like that you're staying in the murder area. I'm, I'm you're not like, understand. you know who I want to meet, have lunch with? I want to have lunch with Jackie Collins. <laughs> Ooh, that would, okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jackie Collins would be interesting. She In has her a documentary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is as a writer, she has a documentary out there about her life. And it's so bizarre. And yeah. it's so bizarre because she was one of the first sort of ro steamy romance writers to really like hit it hugely big. You know, we talk about... Um, Nora Roberts and other people. Jackie Collins was like, she was huge. Yeah, she was huge, huge. Okay, now that we've gone down that weird rabbit hole too. Okay, and tell people where to find your books. And your two books are The War Council and Destination Maui, which was just recently released. Yes, yes. And um, you're working on Destination Montgomery. When is that supposed uh, to Destination come out? Monterey. Destination Monterey. Monterey. I knew yeah. that. I knew that. I don't know why I keep calling it Montgomery. <laughs> Yes, they are. They are the two destination murder mysteries. So when is Destination Monterey supposed to come out? I believe it comes out July, July 1st or 4th or that first week of July. It's it's I'm turning it in on April 1st. I know that. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I know that part. after that. Where do people yeah. find your books? Yeah, um, you can go to annshepherd.com, A-N-N-S-H-E-P-P-H-I-R-D.com. Or you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or your favorite local independent bookstore. Very, very cool. It has been so much fun having you on this podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Very Absolutely. Fun. Okay, this has been Drinking with Authors, our literary briefs edition. And I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing going down a rabbit hole tonight, C.R. Rice. <laughs> and our guest has been Ann Shepard. And our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits. Um, don't forget to check out uh, their spirits, their favorite flavors. They have a ton of recipes on there, too. And if you use the coupon code DWA10, you get 10% off. And with that, we will see you guys next time.